0: Unraveling the true crime mysteries that keep you up at night. This episode is sponsored by the game Best Fiends. After a day of work on the show, I need some time to decompress and cleanse my palate with a little fun and relaxation. And without fail, I reach for Best Fiends. Best Fiends is a five-star rated mobile puzzle game with fun, engaging puzzles to keep your brain both entertained and challenged while you work to defeat some slugs, earn some meteor mites, and grow your character collection. With Best Fiends, the fun truly never ends. With over 5,000 levels, the most adorable characters, and fun little challenges that update to keep your interest, This game is the perfect de-stressor that can keep you entertained in even the most boring of situations. To beat the traffic, I have to get to the carpool line with plenty of time to spare, so I spend a good chunk of time parked with nothing to occupy me but my radio and my phone but I'm never worried because I have Best Fiends. Now that it's fall, I just roll down my windows, let the nice breeze in, and try to blast through some levels and challenges while waiting to hear that final bell. I am on level 558 now and have been zipping through some of the challenges while I work to beat some pretty challenging levels. One of my favorite things about Best Fiends is that it doesn't require the internet, which is a lifesaver while on road trips or out somewhere where the Wi-Fi is a little bit spotty like my carpool lane. That way I can play whenever and wherever I want. And I love them having some fun while still making my brain work. So join me and millions of people who are already playing this fun puzzle game. Make the most of your fall downtime and spend some time with your favorite fiends. Download Best Fiends for free on the Apple App Store or on Google Play. That's friends without the R best fiends there were two more murders 15 miles away when police arrived they found the telephones and electricity lines we have a weird homicide a scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird cop of murder film and television can shape the way you live your life things like modeling your clothes off a character you admired or making personality tweaks when inspired by a film On October 21st, 2012, an episode of I Survived aired and told the story of a man who narrowly escaped a budding serial killer modeled off of a fictional vigilante analyst living in Miami, Florida. So if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. October 10, 2008, a man named John Brian Altinger, Johnny to most, informed his friends that he was going to go meet with a woman who he'd been chatting with on Plenty of Fish, on what was supposed to be their first in-person date. They wished him well and hoped for the best, and when he never seemed to return from his date, started to grow a little concerned especially after they got an email from Johnny saying that his date had been going so well that his new mystery woman was taking him on an extended vacation to Costa Rica. So extended that he emailed his boss his resignation letter, yet failed to respond with a new forwarding address for his final paycheck. Something was amiss, and realizing there was probably little the police could do about a 38-year-old man whom they weren't sure was truly missing, his friends decided to break into his condo, only to find dirty dishes, no signs of a hasty packing job, and, most importantly, his passport. That was enough for them, a phone call was placed, and the Edmonton Police Service launched a full-blown homicide investigation. A look into his records led police to the name Mark Andrew Twitchell, and on his second round of interviews with the police, relayed an improbable story about meeting Johnny just before his Costa Rica trip. According to Mark, just before his trip to Costa Rica, Johnny sold him his car for just 40 Canadian dollars, which was all the cash that Mark had on hand. Police didn't believe his story and arrested Mark on October 31st, 2008, having no idea that they had just stopped a budding serial killer after his very first kill. Mark Andrew Twitchell, born July 4th, 1979 in Edmonton, Alberta, always dreamt of being the next great movie director. He had some minor successes, like when he directed a full-length Star Wars fan film in 2007, which included a cameo from the actor who played Boba Fett, and planned on making a few darker films, shooting a short horror film in 2008 in a garage that he rented in Edmonton. Probably his biggest obsession, one that would shape not only his life but the lives of two other men, was with the fictional serial killer Dexter Morgan. Dexter, if you are not familiar, is a serial killer who appears in both a series of novels and a television drama who, instead of killing innocent people, kills men who he feels are dangerous sort of a vigilante who feeds his desire to kill by hunting down those who have slipped through the justice system. And because he works as a blood splatter analyst, creates these foolproof kill rooms to do his work. A man whom Mark admired and wanted to be just like. Working under the suspicion that he used plenty of fish to essentially catfish Johnny to his death, the Crown charged Mark with Johnny's murder the same day he was arrested. The major piece of evidence against him A document found on his computer titled SK Confessions, or Serial Killer Confessions, which began, This story is based on true events. The names and events were altered slightly to protect the guilty. This is the story of my progression into becoming a serial killer. The document, which had previously been deleted, presented an account of its narrator's planning, preparation, and successful attempt at luring a man into his garage by pretending to be a female online and brutally murdering him. It described how he hit him over the head with a metal pipe and used a hunting knife to stab him to death before dismembering his body, playing with his head as if it was a hand puppet, and disposing of them in the city sewer. How he brutally killed Johnny Altinger, name obviously changed, who showed up to his address early and excited for his first date. Of course, Mark claimed the whole thing was a piece of fiction, denying he felt the same urge to kill as the narrator in his story. However, he did admit to luring Johnny to his garage as a prank to help him hype up his new slasher movie with the intention of letting him leave with nothing more than wounded pride. But Johnny wasn't a fan of this prank and, according to Mark, began to fight back. Forced to defend himself, Mark stabbed Johnny in the chest with a knife and, panicked, dumped his body into the sewer. And, according to his confession, Johnny wasn't the first victim of this little prank. The first was a man named Jill Tetro, who, like the man in his fictional SK confessions, fought back and was able to flee the garage with his life. Jill, who gave his firsthand account both during trial and on an episode of I Survived that aired on October 21st, 2012, was lured to the address of Twitchell's rented garage via Plenty of Fish, only to be attacked by a man wearing a mask and yielding a stun baton. He was hit multiple times until Mark assumed he was unable to escape. Blindfolded Jill, who, seizing an opportunity, did a duck and roll under the garage door. Legs off balance due to the stuns, he attempted to run away from the garage, but fell down and switched to crawling for his life. Just then, a young couple walking their dog happened upon him. But before Jill could explain the situation, Mark ran out acting as if they were just friends playing some sort of game. Weirded out, the couple walked away, but their presence was enough to scare off Mark, who ran back into the garage, fearful the police were about to show up. They did not, and Gilles, after finally gaining back his strength, got up and ran home. He claimed that while the address his date gave him was slightly suspicious, there were no other red flags during any of their other conversations. When Mark Twitchell's trial began, he admitted to killing Johnny as an act of self defense, as well as authoring the incriminating document, one that was under publication ban during the trial. Another document was found on his computer, a profile of a psychopath, and gave a detailed self-analysis of his personality and his behavior. This document, though, considered too inflammatory for the trial, was only released after the fact. On April 12, 2011, based on the mountain of evidence against him, Mark Twitchell, a married father, was convicted of first-degree murder for the death of Johnny Altinger and was sentenced to life in prison without parole for 25 years. At the time of his sentencing, he still had an attempted murder charge against him that had yet to go to trial. On June 17, 2011, the attempted murder charge against Mark The one involving Gilles Tetreault was stayed as his original sentence was the maximum, and this charge would do very little to add to it. When the publication ban was lifted, the case became an international sensation, which Mark then used as the grounds for an appeal, arguing, quote, The media attention surrounding my case was so extensive, so blatant, and so overtly sensationalized that it is unreasonable to expect any unsequestered jury to have remained uninfluenced by it, regardless of judge's instructions in the charge. He also argued the court's use of his deleted documents, which he still claimed were works of fiction, and its treatment as a factual diary, going further to say the prosecution improperly used evidence and created a rhetoric that skewed the jury's view of his character. His appeal was abandoned in 2012. In 2013, it was reported that Mark Twitchell had purchased a television set for his prison cell and had caught up on every episode of Dexter that he missed during his arrest and his trial. The next update came in 2017 when it was reported that Mark was using a dating site for inmates. In it, he claimed he was, quote, looking for an interesting, intelligent, open-minded, delightfully imperfect woman to relate to and share amusing observations with, as well as potentially a long weekend every few months if it gets there naturally. He will be eligible for parole in 2036, at which time he intends on continuing his work in film. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to what terrible thing happened on October 22nd. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.